the reason the chair is up here today has been put here so that I might have the option to sit down or stand up. It's not here for show and tell. It's, it's to be functional. But I'm thinking that I might be all right. The Lord strengthens you sometimes when you just take a step out in faith, doesn't He? Hallelujah. Well, I've been overcoming. Anybody been overcoming here this week? You've had opportunity to overcome. You know, it's easy, you know, an overcomer is easy to, to define. He's somebody that overcomes. <laughs> he's got something he's overcoming. I, I think about that scripture that says that he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And... Uh, I will be his father and he shall be my son. I love that verse there in Revelation. The subject that I am talking about this morning is the same one that we've been talking about for a little while. Pastor Kevin wanted us to talk about the inward man. The inward man and the inner man, it's the same Greek word used there. It's the inward man. You have an outward man and you have an inward man. I believe, and I believe this would be biblically accurate, I believe the inward man looks like the outward man because we're going to be able to recognize one another. Amen? In heaven, if I were to be absent today from the body and present with the Lord, I believe I would recognize my loved ones and they'd recognize me. Isn't it good to know that? So it's like you have a spiritual body and you have a natural body. Well, that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? But... What, what's stirring in my heart this morning, I, I've, I've got so many things. This is one of my best subjects in the Scripture. I, I've told you that I have spent not hundreds of hours, but thousands of hours meditating and studying this subject because it's extensive in the Scriptures. What we have found out is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says that... He, his prayer, Paul's prayer was that we should be preserved blameless spirit, soul, and body unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he said, faithful is he who will do it. He will keep you faithful. He will bless you. He will preserve you. The Bible says he preserves your going out and your coming in. Spirit, soul, and body. And uh, the reason for this subject is not for us to have theological calisthenics to be able to explain that, but the objective is for us to understand that we must understand the inward man in order for us to understand where God wants to bring us to, where God planned to, where God purposed to, God decided to, before the foundation of the world to bring us to a place that is so phenomenal we cannot even begin to imagine it. And uh, so let's turn to Hebrews chapter 2 and see if we can. I read it a little bit there last time we were together. I have a bad habit. I don't go back and see where we were. So I, I will repeat. Is that okay? If we have any teachers here, they know that repetition is the greatest teacher that we've got. I don't know about you, but I'm hard to get it sometimes. 
In Hebrews chapter 2, we read last time, beginning with the verse 1 and what, and actually verse 6, what is man? And then we read on down, if I remember correctly, we stopped at verse 11. Let me, let me read verse 11 again. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. One thing that I did mention about that verse, I read it last time. A lot of people are excited about being called spirits. I'm one of those preachers who don't believe the Bible teaches us that we're spirits. It teaches us we have a spirit, but it doesn't teach that we're spirits. It teaches us that angels are spirits. We are human beings. In Him we live. That's because by the Spirit that's within me. We move by the body that He's given us. We have our being by the soul that He's created us to be. When He breathed His breath into the nostrils of man, man became a living soul. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a living soul. You hear people invariably say, I'm a spirit man. No, you're not. You're a man who has a spirit. And if you want to join the angels, you'll join the angels who will never be promoted to be sons of God. But we have been made to be sons of God. That's, that's, I want to keep saying that because that's what this is about. From the very beginning, I need to stop and pray for you, and I hadn't done that yet. I tell you, let me go ahead and do that for us right now. Let's pray this prayer. Every head, head up and every eye open and everybody looking around. I pray that you will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ. He worked in Christ. He worked in Christ. A work that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under His feet, and given Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him. Do like this. The fullness of Him. Of His fullness, I've received, and grace for grace. Now I pray that you will abound in the abundance of His grace because that's how you're going to reign in life as you receive the abundance of His grace and of the gift of His righteousness. <clears throat> but we've got to come to understand something. Jesus has already gotten there 
So we don't have to get there on our own. That's why it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy. He's already there. All we need to do is be revelated to see Him where He is. Remember what we read back in Hebrews 2 earlier, last time? But we see Jesus. <coughs> the writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus. It's a whole new perspective when you say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. Why did He endure the cross? Because He saw beyond the cross. The Bible says, For the hope that was set before Him, He endured the cross. For those of you who may be caught up in, and please don't be offended by this, but I, I, it's one of my pet doctrines I like to pick on. If you're from the dying to death syndrome people, first of all, you have my sympathy. Because you'll never die to yourself. Won't everybody say amen at the same time? I just challenge you. Just say the old man just needs to learn. I reckon he hasn't learned yet. But the Bible says very clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I bear in my body the dying. Of, of who? Of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't bear in my body my dying. I bear in my body the dying of Jesus that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my mortal body. So if you want to die to yourself, you've got to do it by faith. You don't do it by works. And I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen a license plate that says, Dying to self. And I think to myself, how pitiful. That you don't realize you're already crucified with Christ. You're already dead with Christ. You're already buried with Christ. You're already made alive with Christ, and you're already risen with Christ, and you're already ascended and seated with Christ at the right hand of God. What else do you want? By faith, you've got to lay hold of that. And, and the whole reason for teaching this <coughs> as my perspective, and I, I think Pastor Kevin has been handling more of the practical side of it, and I appreciate that, of the senses element. But the side that I want to continue to pound on is the necessity of a revelation. Listen, I, I had a powerful revelation of this a few years ago, and it transformed my life for a season of my life. But I've told you this, and you need to know it so that you'll understand your own experience. You can have a great revelation of God in a season of your life and let it slip. The greatest among us can let it slip. And you can neglect this great salvation. But I want you to know this. I was reminded this morning that the Apostle Paul said, he said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I hear that from my own life. As long as I have breath, I've got to preach because woe is me if I don't. And the good news is if I do it willfully, he says I'll receive the reward. You know what the reward is? That when I preach it, I partake of it. I finally figured that out. You know why I figured out? I read it in the scripture. First Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, When I do it willfully, my reward is that I partake of it. When people say to me, say, I'm looking forward to hearing what you got to say, I said to one sister, I think it was Miss Merle, I'm looking forward to what's coming out of my mouth too. <coughs> Because, I, because I, my, my whole desire over the last 53 years has been to be so full of the Word 
that the Lord will be like a little teapot, short and stout. Tip me over, pour me out. And so that's, that's my desire. And invariably that's what happens when I'm preaching. I'll hear things that come out of my mouth and I'm thinking to myself, boy, that's pretty good. And they think that I'm so wise. But it really just came out of my mouth. Like a little, little girl who was in our church years ago talking to her mother on the telephone. And her mother said to her, said, did you say that? She said, yes, I, heard, I said that. I just heard it come out of my mouth. So the whole objective is for us to find out the difference for me, which is what I studied so, so hard. What's the difference between the spirit and the soul as it pertains to this work of God's grace to form Christ in me, to give me such a profound revelation of Jesus Christ that I will see Him as He is. 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. He who has this hope in Him purifies Himself, even as He is pure. See, now we, we can take, do two things which are proper, Brother Wally. We can put it out yonder for that great change, but we can also put it for this present time, for every time that God grants us the privilege to see Jesus as He is, it's a privilege for us to be changed, to be just like what we're looking at. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says? The Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember that? And we are changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God into the same image. You remember reading that? And in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, it goes on to say that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that when, the, when Moses asked to see the glory of God, he didn't get to see his face. He saw his behind. You know that's what he saw. We, we, we try to nice it up and say that his back, but it was his behind. He didn't see his face because he could not look on his face and live. But now we, by the grace of God, are been, have been able by revelation by the Holy Spirit who's come to talk to us about Jesus. That's really why he's here. I hope you all know that. He's here to talk about Jesus. And he's here to teach us and lead us into all truth that pertains to him and to glorify him by giving us the revelation of who He is. That the more that we hear the Holy Spirit and we see Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we are changed into what is the same person that we see. So that's revelation. If you're, not, if you're not studying the Scriptures to find Jesus, you're studying for the wrong reason. Somebody said, I've already found Jesus. You think you found Jesus. You've had an introduction You've received Him into your life. You've been introduced. I mean, wouldn't a man feel awful stupid if somebody said to him, Do you know your wife? Yeah, I married her 30 years ago, but we hadn't seen each other since then. But I know her. Amen? So, knowing Jesus is an ongoing proposition. And I've realized in the last few months, well, I, you know, I can explain various things. I can make excuses, but I can say this. I have not been as much after Jesus as I need to be. 
And I, and I, I think I've said this from this pulpit. I said it to our, from our pulpit when I was with, just with our Abundant Life people that uh, it's easy to, to neglect this great salvation. It's easy to leave your first love. Amen. It's easy to come to the Scriptures looking for knowledge and not looking for Him. But my greatest revival in my life occurred between 1990 and 1995 when I found the Lord after 28 years of ministry. Now, I didn't just get born again. I'd been born again for many years. But I was just finding the Lord in a new and fresh and precious way. It would be like you've heard marriages say we're on our second honeymoon. They really have just rediscovered each other. Amen? And uh, by the way, when the Lord says there will be many that will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, you remember that passage? Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out devils in your name, done many wonderful works in your name? What did he say to them? He said, I will, I will say to you, I never knew you. That's the language, if I understand the people who know the language, that's the language of divorce. Yeah. I never knew you. It's like I've been, I was married to you, but I didn't know you. They went out from us, for they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not of us. Amen. So the preacher is here this morning just to keep preaching this word. Keep looking for Jesus. Keep seeking for Jesus. Keep asking for Jesus. Keep knocking for Jesus. He said, if you do, I will answer you. I will open the door to you. I will give to you. He keeps giving of himself. The greatest thing that Abraham heard when God came to Abraham and spoke to him about what he was doing was that God said to Abraham, he said, I am your exceeding great reward. That's the greatest thing he heard. I am, well, you would think with most preaching today that the greatest thing is the Lord's stuff. The Lord's things. But the greatest thing is the Lord Himself. Amen? Now, I'm just preaching. I'm not even talking about what I'm talking about, but I, I, this is what, but this is good stuff. This, this, this is in me, and I'm just glad you let me come here today, Brad, you let me come today, and Brother... Ed introduced me, and I got my chair here and everything. I, I mean, if I want to, I can relax. I'm so glad that I can be here and tell you about these things. Amen. Hallelujah. I was up at 4 o'clock this morning to think about it so that I could get my mind straight. But you know what I found out about my preaching? If the Lord got my mind straight, I wouldn't be able to preach. <laughs> I'm amazed at somebody like Pastor Kevin. If I came that prepared, I'd be just dumbfounded. <laughs> Somebody said, how long did it take you to prepare that message? I said, 53 years. I'm still preparing it. 
Look at John chapter 1. Turn over there. You turn to John chapter 1, we, we will read it sometime. But listen, I want to make this clear, that, and I think I have made it clear, but I want to make it clear again today. Man's makeup, what is man as we've talked about, man's makeup is spirit, soul, and body. But man's problem his makeup is trichotomy, but his problem is dichotomy. You remember that? Does anybody remember that, that I said that? We try to complicate it, but it's not complicated. Our problem is dichotomy. The problem that we have is spirit versus flesh. Amen? What is the flesh? The flesh is the combination of the soul and the body. And again, Pastor Kevin is making emphasis on the five senses. Well, that is in the realm of the body. But the soul and the body combined is called flesh because the condition of the soul and the body is just as explained to us about Abraham, about his body that was dead being almost 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. I equate the deadness of Sarah's womb with the deadness of our soul. We're immortal, and that makes us flesh, simply flesh. That's, our, that's where our problem is because when we get born again, we're, we're having a battle, a war going on inside of us, spirit versus flesh. Let me just give you some scriptures to, to, to emphasize that. Jesus said in the garden, the spirit is willing. You remember that? Then what did he say? He said, no, we know, we know that, see? There is the dichotomy. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says that so to the flesh, and you will of the flesh reap corruption. So to the Spirit, and you will of the Spirit reap life everlasting, or the life of God. Very clearly a dichotomy, two things. I invariably say to the Lord, forgive me for walking in the flesh, talking in the flesh, sowing to the flesh, making provision for the flesh. I want your forgiveness because today I want to do the, I want to do the opposite of that. I, want to do, I don't want to do that. And the next day I ask Him again, forgive me for walking in the flesh, talking in the flesh, sowing to the flesh, making provision for the flesh. Somebody said, well, goodness, you're just making provision by your prayer. No, 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 no. I believe in keeping short records with God. You see, too many people think because they did repent, they don't have to repent. But I can tell you this, if you're looking for Jesus, you must live a life of repentance. Continuous. Somebody said, oh brother, you're in the sin consciousness category. No, that's not sin conscious. That's righteous conscious. Because if I sin, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He cleanses me from all sin. And what does He do? He makes... He replaces me with righteousness consciousness. Amen? I used to teach that foolish stuff about being, being sin conscious. Don't become sin conscious. I'm sin conscious when I know that I have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm sin conscious. There are people out there teaching you don't have to confess your sins anymore. Well, just take John, 1 John 1, 9 out of the Scripture. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all 
unrighteousness. Yeah. Now, now, let me throw this in here, because this is good. In Hebrews chapter 10, he talks about coming to God by a fresh, by the way, this is King James, New King James says, by a new and living way. You remember that? A new and living way. The word new there is fresh. You know what that implies by that? A fresh way? That the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is just as fresh there today as it was 2,000 years ago. It's a fresh and living way, which God consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Therefore, having a high priest over the house of God, let us come with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Listen, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. I wanted to take a moment to say something about the conscience. I haven't talked much about the conscience. I wanted really to talk more about the conscience than anything else today. It is my conclusion, some people disagree with this. As my professor told us in our class, he got your right to be wrong. But my conclusion is this, is that the conscience is a part of the spirit of man, not the soul. Because Why? Here's the reason for it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6 says this, Therefore having a good conscience, that's all i got to do is to say that, having a good conscience. You know what Romans 7, 18 says? Listen. I know that within me, that is within my flesh, is no good thing. <clears throat> so if I can have a good conscience, then it's not in my soul body realm, it's in my spirit realm. And yet at the same time, I can defile that conscience. Because if, if I don't obey it, if I don't yield to it and do what, what my conscience told me is the right thing to do, I can defile it. But thank God for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus on my heart so that I can be cleansed from the defilement. Remember, have you ever read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and think, what does that mean? Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses the defilement of my spirit. Even though, in the, and this is important, even you understand, remember this, the spirit realm of our life is the, is the realm of it's God's realm. When you're born again, what does Jesus say? Where were you born again? What part of your being? Your spirit. John chapter 3, verse 5, I believe it's verse 5, or is it verse 6. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. There's that dichotomy again. So the, our first birth was a flesh birth. Our second birth is a spirit birth. First, the, first, the first birth produced a living soul. The second birth produces a life-giving spirit. Jesus arose from the dead as a life-giving spirit. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, by the way, if you want to check that out. <clears throat> I'm telling you, there's so much to this. There's so much to see. 
I, I wanted to be able to say to us this morning, I said it last time we were together, but you need to hear it again. There's a war going on for preeminence in our lives. There's a battle going on for the preeminence of our lives. In Romans chapter 7, when Paul did all that talk that seemed like backward talk, evil that I would not, that I do, the, evil, the good that I would, wouldn't want to do, I can't do, I find then that when I get ready to do good, evil's ever present. <clears throat> yep, born again man, conflict. He said, I find there a warring going on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul said, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God, pulling down strongholds. Remember that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against what? Against the knowledge of God. There's a war. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil is coming for you and for your everything you love, for your, all your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren. Coming for you, buddy. And guess what? When he gets to you, he doesn't give a flip about you. He's coming for the word that's in you. And if you don't keep the word in your mouth, he's already got you covered. Put the word in your mouth. What did Jesus do when the devil came for him? He said to Jesus, if, there's, a, there's always that, if you are the Son of God, see that was the big test, if you are the Son of God, if you are, that's what He's doing to us too, <clears throat> amen? If you think you're going to get to where I'm, I'm trying to lead you, or where God you think is trying to lead you to be called a Son of God, who do you think you are? If you are, what did Jesus say? It is written. He didn't give him a theological dissertation. He just said, it is written. And he went on to say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word of this word is truth. Not a portion, not a part, not the section that you approve of. It's every bit of it, from Genesis to Revelation. If all of it's not true, then there's not any of it that we can count on. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Now that, that word there for word is rhema. It's the spoken word, but my goodness, hadn't all of it been spoken? Holy men of God moved as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit breathed. Holy Spirit spoke. That's what we live by. That's why I keep reading it. <laughs> My little granddaughter, she's five years old. Was it, was it her? Yeah, but she asked me the question. Why, why do you talk so much about God? Why, why do you... I forgot exactly how she said, but that's part of what she said. I said, well, he's the, he's the greatest subject that there is. She seemed to be satisfied with that answer. She did say a little bit later, she said, told her Grammy, she said, I want to be a teacher, preacher like Papa. I woke up yesterday morning, real early in the morning, thinking about that for my little five-year-old granddaughter. She just never know. Get your Bible out and read it at the kitchen table and don't care if you can hear it or not. Just go ahead and read it while they're all running around screaming and shouting. 
I've been doing that now for many, many years, ever since every, every one of my grandchildren watched me read the Bible. You know why I did that? Because I watched my grandmama read the Bible. They need to love the Word of God. I am content about that. If they'll just begin to love the Word of God and start reading the Word of God, God will talk to them about them. Amen? I'm a stickler for reading the Word, guys. Somebody says, well, I like to study the Word. Well, you, you don't even know what to study until you read. <laughs> but really, you know, because you know, what I found out while after a lot of years, I found out if I'll read, the Lord will talk to me about what to study. And the interesting thing is he'll talk to me about, and I'm off the subject, but this is good. He'll talk to me about studying that that pertains to my gifting and my calling, my anointing. My ministry got to be a whole lot more fun when I did that. It was tough trying to find something to impress people with. You know, what, what could I come up this week that I outdo what I did last week? Well, you're talking about running around in circles. That'll put you in circles. But I found out when I started to seeking after the Lord for the fight to find the Lord, he started talking to me about stuff that, about himself. And when I found that, I just told people what I found. And you know what happened? I got results in God from people. Their lives started being changed because they were hearing what I found in God. That, that's your greatest gift that you can give to anybody, much less your grandchildren. Just tell them what you found in the Scriptures. So I said, well, it, it doesn't sound too profound. He didn't, maybe he didn't call you too profound. Maybe he called you to simplicity. I'll tell you what, there's more simple people in the world than there are profound people. I can tell you that now. I still haven't gotten to my subject, but we'll see. <coughs> but I have been preaching all over my notes. I'm doing a pretty good job with that. We need to also quote Galatians 5, 17. The flesh wars against the spirit, or lust against the spirit. Remember that one? The flesh lusts against, or desires against the spirit. And the spirit desires against the flesh. There's a tug of war going on. These are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Then he goes on to talk about the fruit of the spirit. You know why he didn't call it the fruits of the spirit? Because there's only one Spirit. And that one Spirit has all the fruit. Amen? And that's what we want, isn't it? But when you name the flesh, it works, the works of the flesh, there's a whole long list of those things. Well, that's ugly. An ugly list. I don't want to be on the ugly list, do you? I want to be in that short nine fruit of the Spirit list. Hallelujah. I want to, by the way, I want to be on that list of the seven spirits of God. Anybody ever heard of that? In the book of Revelation, I think it's mentioned either three or four or five times. Do you know what those seven spirits, spirits are? This is just by the way. You know where you find them listed? This is good. I got a class I can tell something maybe you don't know. Isaiah chapter 11. When it's speaking about Jesus, it says that Jesus had the seven spirits of God resting upon him. The spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, power, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. 
Do you understand that when even though you've received the Holy Spirit, that there are other spirits that you need to receive that are by the Holy Spirit? So I said, well, if I've received the Holy Spirit, I already have those. <clears throat> well, listen, okay, I'll, let's accept that. The Bible says of His fullness you've received in grace for grace, but do you have His fullness manifested in you? That's John 1.16 that we've turned to, we haven't got to yet. So abundance of grace comes not because you go from, from grace to grace, but grace comes because you've received the fullness and you go from grace for grace, not to grace, but for grace. Grace for grace. You see the difference there? Of His fullness we've received in grace for grace. He is the embodiment of grace. And the more we see Him, the more we know Him, the more we come to be revelated about Him, the more the grace of God can abound in us, to us, and through us. Grace to you, by the way, see? Grace to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Minister to one another. Talk to one another with grace in your hearts. Grace to you. There's a tendency to do otherwise, isn't there? Y'all say amen. It gets lonely up here sometimes. Now, in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Sounds like one of those Romans chapter 7 passages, doesn't it? All things, somebody say all. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. I missed this for so many years, I, won't, I keep wanting to tell, tell people about this because it's such a powerful revelation. In Him was life. He's talking about the Word, God the Word. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, There are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 8, 42, He said, I proceeded from the Father. How did He proceed from the Father? He proceeded from the Father, Hebrews chapter 1 says, who being, or Philippians chapter 2 says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant, a bondservant, and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But we want to see, I want you to see this. We could turn to Colossians, but we won't do, take time to do that. Everything, literally, the Father was pleased, should come out of Jesus in creation form. Which means you and I have our life Spirit, the breath, the spirit of life from Him. It is just like His. And because sin came and death passed upon all men in the soul and in the body realm, death passed into the realm of the spirit because God moved out 
of the tabernacle, of the temple. Are you with me on this? I'm, I'm using all the scripture metaphors. We are the temple of God. Our spirit is the holy of holies. Our soul is the holy place. God tabernacled in presence, manifested presence, over the Holy of Holies, and, and He was manifested on an annual basis inside of the Holy of Holies. It was so dynamic that the priests were supposed to go in there not, not without having their ankles, a rope tied around their ankles just in case they died because of the sin question, and they could pull Him out. But when sin came and death passed upon all men, God vacated the realm of our spirit. But let me say this to us. Our spirit was still intact with conscience, intuitiveness, and communion. We still had the opportunity to communion, but not with God. Because God was joined for communion, but was gone because of sin. But quickly didn't He make room for redemption? Remember the... The, the animal being sacrificed, the, the skin, the skin came from an animal, blood was shed. So the, he taught already uh, very quickly that you come by the blood. Isn't that what we did a while ago? Had, therefore, having a high priest over the house of God, we come with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, sprinkled by the blood, the blood of Jesus. We come by the blood. Always by the freshness of the blood of Jesus we come. Like, like the brother said who was here a while back, it, it doesn't get any better than the blood. It's the blood. Whether you want to use the doctrine of plead the blood or whatever, it makes no difference. It's the blood of Jesus. So, God created us through Jesus. And so I'm submitting to you, and you can study the Scriptures for yourself, but I'm submitting to you, that your spirit is a spirit that came out of Jesus. Every human being that's conceived in the womb of their mother, their spirit comes from Jesus. And the reason we must be born again in spirit is because I was looking up the word in, second, in uh, Titus chapter 3 there, that how are we saved? We're saved by, there, Titus talks about in verse 5, he said, through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit and through the renewing of the Holy Spirit. I submit to you that the regeneration has to do with the spirit of man because that's the same thing as being reborn. And, and it's interesting. Isn't it interesting that, and I believe this proves my point from the Scripture, that the spirit of man is the life of God because if it were not the life of God, it couldn't be regenerated. It would be in the same condition as our soul. Our soul is in the condition of death and will not pass out of the condition of death until the day we put on His immortality. Until we put on His incorruption. But until that time, we struggle with what is called the law of sin and death in Romans chapter 7. There's a, there was a law created on the day man sinned. It's the law of sin and death so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. I, I, I want to labor a little bit here and just talk, because I, 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 it's hard for us to hear this. That Jesus is the head of every man that comes into the world. 
Not every born-again man that's not talking about that. He's the head of every man, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I believe it's verse 3. He's the head of every man because every man that comes into the world has the spirit that proceeded from Jesus and is now waiting for regeneration or rebirth or to be born again so that God can once again come and tabernacle, can take up residence in your spirit and begin the process of renewing. Remember again what 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, that the outward man, though the outward man perishes, the inward man is being renewed day by day. How is he being renewed? He's being renewed because of the regenerated spirit that's been born of God, born again, born from, born from above. God has joined himself to us because he wants communion, because that's where our communion is, is in spirit. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants, a, he wants to so minister to us that we'll have an acute conscience. That conscience, when you, if you do you notice that when you, got, when you gave your life to the Lord, you all of a sudden you had an acute conscience? Everything seemed to be wrong. Amen? The things that you could let slide, oh well, oh well. I always get concerned about Christians who have that in their, in their vocabulary. Oh well, whatever. I am who I am. If you don't like who I am, I'm sorry. You haven't even begun to see Jesus. You haven't even begun to seek after seeing Him. Because I can tell you, when you begin to see Him, you won't say, oh well. You'll say, oh woe is me. Like Isaiah said, he said, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. And He was high and lifted up in His train for the temple. And He said, I cried out and said, I'm a man of unclean lips. He was concerned immediately about the way He talked. We're concerned about all the big, so-called big sins. He was just concerned about the way he talks. He said, Lord, I'm an unclean man. The coal came off the altar, touched his lips. You know the story, Isaiah chapter 6. All we need to do is see Jesus, folks. Amen. And the, and, and the race is on. Therefore, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, run the race that's set before you. Enduring the cross. He did. Endured the cross. You've not yet resisted. I've not yet resisted in blood unto sin. I haven't resisted sin unto blood. Amen? Whew. Now, skip on that. I want to make this clear to us. Verse 9, chapter 1. That was the true light which gives light to everybody. What did your Bible say? Who said that? You get extra credit, darling. That says, every man coming into the world. Folks want to, want to make that emphasis on every born-again man. But it's every man. Because the context has to do with creation. The creation of every man. Write this down. Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Or your translation may say lamp. It's light. It really is, because a lamp is the light, isn't it? It's the light of the Lord searching the most inner parts of your heart. Your heart and your spirit are akin to like your mind and your soul are akin. 
Aren't you glad the Bible says He put His Word in your heart? Amen? And He put His Word in your mind for the purpose of life-changing, constantly life-changing, forming of Christ in us. Be renewed by the... Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Lord is at work doing a great work in us for this purpose. And here's the purpose again. May I quote it to you again? To be like Him. Philippians chapter 2 says, He came in the likeness of man. Why did He come in the likeness of men? Because in the very beginning when He made man, He made man in His own likeness, and in His image and after His likeness. It all goes back to the beginning. By the way, I, I may be a little disjointed in this, but just excuse my disjointment. That uh, I really got a correction in my spirit, in my heart, because I, I, I've talked so much about never go looking back, but looking ahead, that something new is coming. But the adjustment that I made in the Lord with that, meditating even, even in the last day or so, is that the thing that is regenerated, and I've already said it, the thing that's regenerated is your spirit. So you're going back as it pertains the, to the condition of your spirit. But as it pertains to the, to the condition of your soul, you're going forward. See, we're not going back to discover something. We're going back to just acknowledge what we've already acknowledged here by saying this, saying this is that our life came from Jesus in the beginning. And our life came from Jesus in the beginning so that we could be just like Him. And now because we've been regenerated, we start the process afresh to be just like Him. God is not trying to get us into heaven. God is trying to get heaven into us. Do you believe that? Most of the church is spending its wheels with simply trying to get people into heaven. And someone has rightly said, if, that heaven is not even your home. We're only going to be there for a little while. And we're going to come back and because the earth belongs to the sons of men. We can visit very undoubtedly the, the heaven, heaven the, the, the big, this great city, half the size of the United States, will be hovered above us in the sky. It'll come down, but it'll hover. And we can go visit there all we want. It sounds like to me, if I read the scripture correctly. Am I talking out of school? Y'all read much about that lately? But the Lord, the, Lord wants, the Lord wants to get the glory that's in the heaven, which is really the representation of the bride of Christ. He wants to get that into us. Let's go ahead and read John chapter 1 here. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Again, I, I, I'm checking you on the context. He's talking about creation. He came to his own, his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them gave you the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who were born of God. And the Word became flesh. This was what it was all about. The Word became flesh. The Word through whom we were created in the very beginning. The Word who created us, through whom we were created. The Word through whom we came forth from. The Word 
who was who our head. He was our head before we ever received Him. He was our Savior before we ever received Him. He was our God before we ever received Him. But when we received Him, we acknowledged that and bowed our knee to Him because the Holy Spirit gave us the power to do that. No man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. I say that to the Lord on a pretty much a daily basis. I bow my knees because the Holy Spirit enables me to. To declare Jesus, you're Lord. You're my creator. My life came out of your life. Your life has been duplicated in me. Your life is exactly in me, the same as it is in you. It's the same life. Spirit life. Does that sound too heavy for you? Yeah. How do you think, that the, the, what, the, what does the Bible mean when it says you've received the spirit of adoption? Whereby you cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit has joined himself to your regenerated spirit so that you can cry, Abba, Father. Give you the right, give you the privilege, give you the power to cry out, Jesus Christ, you're the Lord. Jesus Christ, you're the God. Jesus Christ, you're the Savior. Jesus Christ, you're the Spirit. You're the he, he through whom I was created. You are Him. My allegiance belongs to you. I was made for you. Does that make any sense to anybody? Verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father has declared Him. I, thought, I, always, I always am amazed at that verse. That He is in the earth. A testimony of him being in the earth, and yet he was at the same time he was in the bosom of the Father. Do you know that when Jesus came into the world, he never left the bosom of the Father? Amen. Never did. You can't separate God. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the Holy Spirit dwells all the, the fullness of the Godhead spiritually. The Son proceeded from the Father, and the Holy Spirit, John chapter 15, verse 26 says, the Holy Spirit proceeds. He continuously proceeds. You think the Holy Spirit's not still with God, with the Father? Even though He, he proceeds? He proceeds, came to me, proceeds, came to you, proceeds, came to you, proceeds, came to you. You know that He came to you in the fullness, He came to me in fullness too? Can we believe that about, about the Holy Spirit? We ought to believe that about Jesus. By, by, the, by the declaration of creation. And then by the declaration of recreation. By the declaration of birth. And by the declaration of rebirth. It's just that simple. Your spirit belongs to the Lord. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter... 6 says, the last verse says that we should honor the Lord with our body and our spirit which belong to Him. My leg feels okay, brother. I almost, I almost didn't come because of, I thought I couldn't stand. Jamie, do you have a question? You just look like you got a question. We're small, we're small enough to ask questions. I don't know why we probably don't do that. Sometimes I confuse people. 
I jumped way out there. I know sometimes I jump way out there without giving a lot of explanation, but I'm hoping that you'll be astute enough to go check it out yourself. Because there's one thing about the Scripture. The Scripture is the greatest commentary on the Scripture that there is. That wasn't my first quote. That was Billy Graham's quote. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible that there is. Keep reading it. Keep reading it. Don't be led around like a little dumb lamb. Be, be led around by shepherd and you're checking up on what's happening and following up. And Just like Jesus. They followed up on what Jesus said. Amen. They checked it out. Search the scriptures. Amen. I, didn't, I probably didn't check everything off my box today, y'all. That is 1 Corinthians 11.3 about the head of every man is Christ. I want you let, let me give a little commentary on that. If you'll go read that passage, you'll find out. It says the head of woman is who? Beverly, I heard, saw her mouth say, husband. But you know what? But in that context, it says the head of woman is man. Because it's talking about creation. Woman came out of man. Go read, you read, read that chapter. It talks about that. And ladies, you don't have to get offended with that because out of you now comes man. But all things are from God. But in the, but in the proper context of what he's saying there, he's saying that Christ, that, that God is the head of Christ. Why? Because Christ proceeded from the Father. Came out of the Father. Christ is the head of man. Why? Because man proceeded out of Christ. And the reason we know that that's the proper context is because of that, in that context, in, in that verse. Man is the head of woman because woman came out of man. I like what Bubba Watson said this, this week being interviewed at the Masters. He said, I'm the leader of my home, not the boss. Y'all know who Bubba Watson is? One of, one of, one of my, I'm a fan of Bubba Goff. But it was, it, it was so wrong. I, I appreciated that word. I thought that was real wise. I'm the leader in my home, but I'm not the boss. When we say sometimes in, in weddings, this woman's been called to stand by your side, not under your foot, because she was taken out of your side, not taken out of your foot. Amen? But that's the context. I want you to see that. <clears throat> that's, how, that's how Jesus Christ is the head of every man. Now, the proper teaching, I, I feel like I need to apologize, that a, a woman who's married is not supposed to be submitted to every man. She's submitted to her, her husband as to the Lord. Amen? Don't, don't, don't go around submitting to all men. That would be a terrible doctrine, but I think it's been tried to be preached before in some other places. It didn't work out. But anyhow, that's... Uh, I, I just think sometimes we miss the fact that, well, I missed it for years, and I, and I can say that for me, that I came out of Jesus. My spirit came out of Jesus. He breathed his breath, his, the breath of the spirit of life. He breathed into my nostril, and I became a possessor of the spirit of Jesus. In my mother's womb, 
the breath of the spirit of life of Jesus was breathed into my nostrils and I became a person who could say I live, I move, and I have my being in Him. I'm the offspring of God. That's, that's, this is Acts chapter 17. Remember that? The Apostle Paul there gave that dissertation. If we are the offspring of God, we ought not think that God is made out of hands or gold or silver or whatever. We were, we were how does the Scripture say it? We were hewn out of the rock. We, we are a stone that was hewn out of the rock. We're of the same substance as the rock. Does that make sense? Folks, we're the, that's what our spirit is the same substance that's he, that He is. And even though death and sin entered and messed this thing up, regeneration straightened it out. Rebirth straightened it out. We got reborn so we could be reformed. And I'm not talking about reformation as we know reformation of prison. I'm talking about having Christ formed in my soul so that I could become the expression of who He is. Amen? Amen. <sighs> Glory. I tell you, I'm, I'm going to just be honest with you. Let's be transparent. I, I almost didn't want to preach today because I didn't feel as prepared as I needed to be prepared in, in my I mean, when you spend two weeks with your grandbabies, I know, you bless your heart, some of y'all live with your grandbabies. I just confess to you my, from my heart, I'm a two-day man. When I, go, when I go to three days, I'm stretching it. Four days, and this, we've done that two weeks. I didn't feel that spiritual. I was not on the high mountain I was so glad that I had an infirmity. I could call Pastor Kevin and say, I've got an infirmity. I think he picked up on it. The prophet spirit jumped in. He called me back later. How you doing? <laughs> I still got a little bit of limp going on. I, I thought it was serious. I really didn't because it was something I hadn't, ever, hadn't experienced. Couldn't hardly stand up. And, uh, but I, for some reason, this message, I'm feeling... Like I'm not as prepared as I need to be. Because this, this is my heart I'm trying to give to you. I'm not trying just to give you three points in a poem. I'm, my, 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 my prayer is that you receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so I trust today that the seed that I've sown will bring forth fruit in its season. It's what happened with my people as I preached for years. I'd, they, I'd preach and preach and preach and preach. Then a guest speaker would come in. And, that's, and someone would have the audacity to come tell me how they were so blessed. They just never heard this word before. And I'm thinking, I preached six months on it last year. <laughs> but I didn't say that. Because that's just the, that's how the thing works. It's the season of the Lord. Be not weary in doing good. In due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. Somebody else may receive the reward in your, of your labor, but praise God. The, you know what, what Paul, Paul said about him and Apollos? He said, I, he said, I sow or I plant and Apollos waters or vice versa. But God, <clears throat> God gives the increase. It's God's business. 
I remember when the Lord used to tell me things that I hadn't really quite heard before in my heart. And I'd think, I better, I better tell that real quick for folks that would know that somebody else didn't give that to me. But God gave it to me. I want to be the first gets there and says it, you know. And they, they, nobody, none, none of y'all ever done that. But. Well, we're something, aren't we? Us human beings or something. Everybody stand up. Y'all been so sweet. Appreciate you listening today attentively. And I don't, I don't think anybody went to sleep today. That's amazing. That, 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 that's the power of God right there. I can tell you that. But as always, we've missed Pastor Kevin and Pastor T when they're away from us. First time they went away recently. I told them I missed them. Glad they were back. I don't tell them that anymore because I know they know I miss them. I'm glad to have them back. Maybe I will tell them that. Maybe they need to hear it again. But anyhow, as, as you can see, this subject is, is, has no bottom to it. It has no top to it. It has no sides to it. It has no end to it. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's it. There's no sides on God. There's no bottom on God. There's no end of God. From everlasting to everlasting, He's God. And so I'm, I, I continue to believe with us together. I'm entering a new, a new season in my life as the Lord's permitting me to, to speak to you out of my heart. And uh, please understand you won't be overwhelmed with all my profundities, but I trust that you'll be arrested by the authenticity because this is my life. It's my life. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm like the Song of Solomon. Have you seen him whom my heart, whom I love? Go went into the streets talking to the watchman. Have you seen him? You read the Song of Solomon recently? Have you seen the one I love? If you tell him, tell him I'm lovesick. You know what that says to me? We preachers ought to be going around saying that to each other. Have you seen the one I love? If you see him, tell him I'm lovesick. The watchman. I want to, be, I want to get back there, Wally. I want to get back there looking for Jesus.